and gentlemen, welcome to the first episode of the Hockey Collective show. I'm Nick, co-owner of Hockey Collective. I've got two of my co-workers here with me today, Tyler and Max. Say what's up, guys. What's going on? Number one. Excited to be here. Excited to, excited to bring you guys some content. Perfect. And uh, kind of like hockey culture, we're uh, three to five years late on the podcast trend, but uh, that's all right. We're here to uh, entertain. We're going to bring you guys some stories. We've got a number of uh, huge guests lined up, current players, former players, coaches, media personalities, some of the guys you see on Instagram and TikTok every day. We've got uh, a kind of ton of cool things lined up for you guys can't wait to get this rolling but uh i mean that's kind of the plan here we're going to do this once a week um try to keep it under an hour bring you guys updates around the league scores stats breaking news injuries talk to guys throughout the season get their updates and inputs Uh, but overall we just want to have fun it's a it's a new stream here for us to be able to uh podcast share our opinions and things a little bit a little bit deeper than we do on social media with you guys so super pumped for this thanks for tuning in and uh, can't wait to show you what's next Um, but with that in mind I mean it's been a pretty crazy month here of September Um, training camps obviously underway lots of big news in the last couple of weeks Um, where I want to kick it off guys is with the uh, Nathan McKinnon contract Obviously, that was about a week ago now, but uh, pretty big news anytime you get uh, triple digits in a contract there. So, um, Mac, maybe you want to kick us off there and, and talk a little bit about that? For sure. I mean, I love uh, I love McKinnon going $100,000 more than McDavid. Uh, it's kind of that, uh, hey, I'm the best player in the league right now. Uh, obviously, maybe, maybe not think that, but uh, um, he certainly thinks he wants to be paid like that especially considering he did say I took a deal, um, you know, 12.6 times eight. It's 15.6% of the cap hit. That's the second highest in the league right now behind McDavid, uh, who was 16.7%. Uh, he was also three years younger than McDavid at the time of signing. Um, McDavid also, you know, has a lot more points per game at the time of signing. However, McKinnon does have that uh, illustrious cup in his favor. Other uh, other comparisons are, you know, Tavares, Leafs fans, you know, about that one, seven times 11, about 13 and a half percent of the cap, similar points per game, although Tavares didn't have a cup at the time. And then Taves and Kane, uh, obviously 15.2% of the cap, uh, both have similar points per game at the time, 26 years old, so a year younger. However, each of them had three cups and a consmith under their belt. What do you guys think? Yeah, it's uh, I was shocked, I guess, when the number came up, like he's doubling his average annual value, right? By uh, obviously half. So 12.6 to go 100,000 more than McDavid. It's pretty cool by him and his agent. And and it's cool that they got it done, right? Like, I think we could all agree. I didn't think he was going to get paid more than Connor McDavid per year, but he is. And then come summer of 2026, when McDavid's deal is done. Obviously, the cap will be up by then. It's a long time from now, and McDavid will most likely be the highest-paid player. But, hey, all the accolades you just read, Mac, um, Mac, Nate Dog, whatever you want to call him, um, he's proven himself since he first came into the NHL. And and the thing is, like, think back to, like, year two and three for him. A lot of people thought he was going to be a bust. Do you guys remember that? And all of a sudden, he kind of starts turning it up, and now he's got a Stanley Cup under his belt, and we hope he just stays healthy throughout this contract and provides what he can for the Colorado Avalanche. Hey, if Landis Cog wouldn't wasn't there he'd have the C on his jersey and he'd be the leader of that team but he is one of the leaders and moving forward guys his pockets are a lot heavier that's for sure 
Yeah, I completely agree. I didn't see him coming in above McDavid there, but it's it's definitely cool to see. Um, I think two points, Mac, you touched on a, a lot there, the percent of the cap. I think that's super important and, and something that sort of the, the casual fan may not always look at when they see a numbers. Oh, I got 8 million. Okay, what's the percent five years ago versus what it is now? That's what GMs look at. That's what teams look at. So super important, important to uh, reference there. Um, the other interesting thing, I think um, – he has one more year left on his deal before that kicks in. Right. And Eric Johnson has one year left on his deal making 6 million. So, I mean, they're going to lose Eric Johnson. That's $6 million there. They're going to take that 6 million, give it to McKinnon the year after that works out pretty well in my books, find another depth defenseman. Byron's going to take a step by then. McCarr's going to take somehow another step by then. Gerard's going to take another step by then. The list goes on and on. Easy to find a five, six defenseman on the Avs and uh, kind of just shift that six million over to uh, your star player's bank account. Who knows at a time Johnson may even take a team-friendly deal, try to win another cup before he retires too, right? Yeah. And part of the reason why Darcy Kemper found himself in DC, right? Like Darcy Kemper is a big part of the Stanley cup winning team is their goaltender. Yeah. He got injured and kind of came back and Francois did what he could. But if you're Chris McFarlane and Joe Sackick, you kind of had this contract extension in the works for a long time. Maybe they didn't know it was going to be 12.6 per year, but they knew it was going to be in the double digit range. Hence you look at Eric Johnson's contract expiring after this season. That's a good point, Nick that's helping pay McDavid for a long time. And then you just kind of knew that you had to go out and get one of those discount goaltenders and Georgiev, obviously a lot cheaper than what Kemper's making. Francois is already there making a decent amount for a one B or a backup. And I think for the next couple of years, like Tampa's done in the previous years, we can see Colorado making it to the cup final every single season cap wise. They're in a pretty good spot. Yeah. It's a lot to pay one player. You mentioned the percentages on the cap. It's a lot. But you need a player like Nathan McKinnon on your team to win. And I kind of like what the, the management of Colorado has done so far cap-wise. Yeah, completely agree. And I think uh, last thing for me on it is if, if they didn't give him that, somebody else would have. And sure, he's a, a year away from that. He didn't want to go anywhere else. But I think that's the way to look at it with free agents is if somebody's not going to pay a superstar, somebody else will. So um, speaking of young centers, though, there's uh, been a, a couple in the news lately, one of which a uh, friend of the pod, some would say Nick Suzuki, uh, named the youngest captain in Montreal Canadiens history. Um, Tyler, maybe you want to kick us off there. What are your thoughts on uh, on Suzuki getting the C? Yeah, like the McKinnon contract, I was kind of shocked. He's a young player, but Martin St. Louis from what he went through during his National Hockey League career, obviously a lot in Tampa, but even when he went to the Rangers, he's been surrounded by a lot of good and veteran leaders. But at this point in the Montreal Canadiens development as an organization, especially after making it to the cup final and then finishing in dead last, I think Martin St. Louis wanted to name a captain and really Nick Suzuki, I guess is your best option. You could argue maybe Mac, if you want to go next about Brendan Gallagher, but Gallagher's kind of at a different point in his career. Suzuki is there for a long time, might even be there for his whole career if things go right for him. Um, but when you're naming a captain that's that young in their early 20s, you obviously see something in them. You, you kind of saw it in junior if you followed his career. And Nick Suzuki, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure when the French media and the French fans want you to speak that language as well. Yeah. And uh, I think the pressure, it might get to him at some point, but once the Montreal Canadiens become one of those playoff contending teams in the Atlantic division. I think the pressure will be gone and, and Suzuki can handle it just fine. 
Yeah, the thing is with Suzuki, it's, it's not, uh, you know, you look back and you see the Connor McDavid, the Jonathan Taves, the Sidney Crosby's who all got captaincies very young. He's not on that level, right? Superstardom, does that matter always with leadership? No, obviously not. Obviously, there's a different factors in play. Kind of look at that Landis Gog. I think that's kind of a good comparable skill-wise, probably, um, or, you know, points-wise, whatever. Uh, I think that's a good situation for him. I think Suzuki will be the same type of leader as uh, Landisco, kind of go hard every shift. Um, you know, uh, Gallagher, yeah. I think at the time, right now, he's probably the better leader in the dressing room just because he's been there for so long. However, like you said, St. Louis changing the guard, kind of get his his guy in there for the future, right? Yeah, I think that's well said. And I think Gallagher is the one that people kept pointing to. Um, but I think it spoke volumes when Gallagher came out and said, hey, Suzuki's the heartbeat of our team. Um, if you're saying that say, when you're the one uh, who could have been named captain there, I think that says a lot. And um, did some digging. And, and I know Nick a little bit from back in the day, but everybody that I talked to pretty much said it, it was a matter of when, not if. Like, he's a captain. He's a leader. The guy competes and works his butt off harder than anybody else. Um, he's going to do great there. Um, like you said, Tyler, the media is the, the big pressure, the big question mark always in Montreal. But um, as far as a personality goes, Mac, you listed some superstars and stuff there. Uh, personality wise, like he's along that Landis Gog and Taze line. Like he's that type of guy, that type of person. I've never met anybody that said a bad thing about him. And I think that's what all of his teammates were echoing these last couple of weeks here. And when you look at it from that point of view, uh, it's very hard to argue that uh, aside from the age which age is kind of just a number at the end of the day so um, if a guy's ready for it throw it to him I don't see a problem with it um, but uh, it did lead to some interesting comments I'm not sure if you guys saw Marshawn there he's saying uh, kind of similar guys in their 20s 21 22 23 shouldn't be being named captain because they don't know what to do or they don't know how to win yet um, I kind of go both ways on that. He's had, uh, he said some pretty cool captains in Boston there between Chara and Bergeron. So definitely value his input and, and he's seen good leaders for sure. But Tyler, kind of what are your thoughts on, uh, on Marshawn's take there? I like it. And I think we all like it as hockey fans when Brad Marshawn can give us quotes and, and give us anything or give us content. Like when he took that fan's phone or, or whatever he does, Marshawn's obviously great for the game. Um, but it's a valid point. Uh, it gets a really valid point because players that are coming into the NHL and are that young, they haven't seen what it takes to win unless they're coming in in a rookie season, maybe, and, and their team's winning the Stanley Cup, maybe like Tyler Sagan in Boston, for example, but he's never worn a C on his jersey because of Jamie Benn. But hey, Nick Suzuki is going to have to build into this role. And what better of a head coach to have than Martin St. Louis? He can teach you how to be a good leader. If you're 30, if you're 20, whatever, however old you are, I think Nick Suzuki has a lot of players and a lot of coaches on the staff to learn from. And yeah, I think the French thing aside, because if you're a part of the French media or you're from Quebec or you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, I think they can all agree that they love him to be bilingual. I think Suzuki's going to work on it. He was saying in the summer, he was taking some classes on some app on his phone. So he's trying and that's all that matters for, for now. But um, the Montreal Canadiens, they're going to be in it rough for maybe the next year or two, but Suzuki's the right leader uh, on that team. Yeah, no, yeah, I think that's fair. And um, I guess the only other thing I, I'd highlight on sort of captaincies is at the end of the day, like, just because somebody's wearing a C doesn't mean he's the only voice in the locker room, right? Like, 
sure Gallagher doesn't have a letter on his chest does that mean he's never allowed to talk or tell somebody what to do no like I think that uh, I think that gets misconstrued quite often and uh, oh my god Gallagher must be so upset he's not allowed to talk to anybody anymore like no <laughs> you look at the situation in Winnipeg right they Wheeler's been their captain for years they took it away because they want to lead by committee kind of feel things out stuff happens like in a dressing room it's it's the same as any friend group or workplace like everybody talks everybody has ideas those are the teams that win is when everybody's involved um good leaders uh more often than not lead on the ice lead by example and i think that's what nick suzuki will do um so speaking of that gallagher situation you know he's the older guy we've had we've kind of had that situation similar to that kind of a couple years ago right with the Tavares matthew situation uh, I don't know. Is there a situation where Gallagher could have got the captain and Suzuki down the road? Do we think that will happen with Matthews? I think it's an interesting point. I honestly, I know we've talked a little bit about this off air, Mac, kind of over the last couple of years. Um, I think the, the Tavares choice was just a Babcock decision. I think Babcock and St. Louis are probably two very different dudes in terms of how they look at leadership and command of room. Um, so I think that was a Babcock decision. I still am of the belief that Matthews would have got the C if he didn't uh, get his disorderly uh, conduct charges there a couple of days prior. Uh, but personally, I've said since that day and, and prior that I would have named Riley the captain. Um, I think there's uh, I think there's somewhat of an internal competition there. You could say maybe it's a benefit, maybe it's not between Tavares and Matthews. Um, but I think the I think the idea of Matthews becoming captain is an interesting one. Um, if it gets down to the wire with his contract and free agency, um, is that what it takes? Does he does he have to wear the C in Toronto? I mean, obviously there's a there's a number of off ice benefits and, and marketing play that comes with that in itself that Tavares probably doesn't take advantage of, and Matthews would. Um, is that something he wants more say in the dressing room? Is it a basketball thing where he wants say in sort of the, the team construction? You can only do that if you're a captain. Uh, I think it's an interesting conversation. Love Matthews. I don't really see him being the captain until at least after Tavares's contracts up. Tyler, what do you think? Yeah, that's the only way it can really happen. I don't think we get a Blake Wheeler situation in Toronto where you're stripping the C um, off a of veteran in John Tavares and Tavares has what after this upcoming season, two more years. So three years total in the summer of 25, he will be a free agent. And obviously Matthews um, at, in the summer of 24 will be a UFA as well. So um, if Austin Matthews does sign a long-term extension in Toronto, kind of maybe like he's hinted at a little, especially during training camp so far, he's had a couple quotes where it's like, all right, is this guy staying long-term or like a lot of people think he's an American. Does he want to go to an American market? Who knows? I do think he will sign a long-term extension with the Maple Leafs. And then I guess just have to wait a year until they do put that C on his jersey. Because at that time, I don't think the Leafs are re-signing John Tavares. He's already kind of on a downward slope in his career. Um, but quickly to what you said, Nick, about when Babcock did make the decision to put it on Tavares, I thought it was the right choice. I think Riley was in the mix. Maybe Matthews was in the mix, but I don't even think the disorderly thing came into play. I, I think they were just dead set on giving it to a guy who had already worn it on Long Island with the New York Islanders. And maybe that was a part of getting him into Toronto, right? Like he's coming to his hometown, but Hey, John, you want to wear the C as well. I think it's a pull for some players, including Tavares who had worn that in New York. So um, yeah, at some point Matthews will have it on his Jersey and those jerseys will sell even faster. 
Yeah. And I think the other thing with Tavares too, that people forget is he had an amazing year. Like that was going into his second season on the Leafs. He said 47 goals in his, in his first year as a Leaf. So um, it's not like he was on sort of that downhill that uh, the media has been uh, covering for the last couple of years here now. Um, but to your point as well, like, We've seen it a lot in the past that teams take away the captaincy for somebody younger. Uh, Marlo wore it for, I think, six years in San Jose. Rob Blake came in, played for one year. He got it, and then he retired, so they gave it to Jumbo Joe. Joe had it for four years, gave it to Joe Pavelski. Um, we've seen a couple of those, Medano and Moro. Um, there's been a handful over time. Linden and Messier, that's another one I forgot. Um, so I don't think it's out of the question that it could happen before – Tavares's deals up but to your point only two years left on that deal which feels absolutely insane feels like yesterday we were tweeting about pajama boy and stuff but uh yeah it'll be interesting to see how it plays out do you think do you guys think it depends on uh how he plays the next two years if maybe in that third third year he's uh you know has 28 points the year before obviously you don't want that from a guy like that but uh do you think that plays a factor at all yeah, probably. And at that time, like he's going to be what mid thirties, will he be 34, 35 years old Tavares when his contracts up, we've seen players go until 39, 40, but just watching Tavares lately, let's say the last two seasons, three seasons, he could even be a guy that retires after this contract is up. Like obviously he probably won't want to retire, but your, your body speaks to you at that point. So it's going to be interesting. The Leafs cap decisions, Moving forward, especially with Matthews and then with Marner, um, a lot of these big ticket players and even their captain and Tavares, they all come into play. It's it's crazy how these teams have to deal with the cap. But uh, I think a lot of the GMs and, and franchises will be happy when it goes up by more than a million bucks. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Okay, well, from there, we're going to take a minute to tell you guys about our first sponsor here on the Hockey Collective Show. You might see these beautiful jerseys hanging up behind me. They are hung with the sport display it is a uh, jersey mount. It's a perfect little tube that you can slide in and out of your jerseys. It frames it on the wall. No more using a clothes hanger upside down. No need to spend $500 on a frame for your student apartment or your first college house. Uh, these are great little products. We uh, are lucky enough to be sponsored by them here. So um, head on over to sportdisplays.com. Use code HockeyCollective all caps, H-O-C-K-E-Y-C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E, Hockey Collective. That's going to get you 10% off your order and free shipping. They're great products, as you can see. Mac and I put them to use here. Tyler's not cool enough, but uh, check them out. They, uh, they're they super handy. They're way better than the, uh, the big frames that you have to lug around apartment apartment, like I said. So check them out. And thanks to uh, Sport Displays for sponsoring us. Well, I guess from there, let's uh, let's talk about injuries a little bit. We're at that point of year where uh, teams are signing random guys, giving guys chances, lots of injuries, injuries that are lingering from the playoffs. Guys got hurt during the summer. So uh, personally, I think it's a pretty long list of injuries this summer. Notable names everywhere. Teams that are going to have to change up the way they thought their top six or their top pair D was going to look. So, Mac, you want to uh, kick us off here? I know you had a couple names in mind. Yeah, a few, a few right off the bat, you know, Bruins and, and the Golden Knights are going to be struggling, you know, throughout the whole season with, uh, you know, Leonard out the whole year with his, uh, his hip surgery, I believe it was. And uh, so that's huge loss for them. You know, they brought in Aiden Hill. Is that somebody who can take over for Robin Leonard? Probably not. Are they going to miss the playoffs twice in a row after, you know, going on deep runs three years in a row? 
right out the gate. Who knows? That's kind of where I'm thinking. Let's talk about that maybe a little bit more in detail next week. But uh, again, the Bruins, just like last season, they're going to be missing some key guys off the start. Uh, McAvoy's out probably until December with his shoulder. And Marshawn's out until the end of November. So again, December with his hip as well. So uh, those are some huge losses for some big, big name teams uh, right out the gate. Yeah. And if Nick Hag doesn't sign as well, like that's just another player Vegas is going to be without. So uh, one of a couple remaining restricted free agents and yeah, in Boston, uh, just some brutal luck, obviously. And hence we'll talk PTOs in a bit, but hence why uh, Anton Strowman's coming in there on a PTO. Uh, one of the worst ones I think we heard about during the summer was Anthony Duclair with the Achilles injury, uh, like just brutal luck for Duclair, who was unreal last year for the Florida Panthers. So hopefully he's back in maybe mid-January. I think that's what they're saying. Um, the Flyers, we don't expect them to be good this year. John Tortorella is maybe going to try to right the ship there in his first uh, season as head coach, but potentially being without Sean Couturier until February with that back injury, another back injury for Couturier. This guy can't catch a break. Uh, Ryan Ellis' career might be done. Um, just sucks for him. He's only played in a few games for the Flyers since coming over from the Predators. So um, the Philadelphia Flyers, Pain will be that number one word again for them. And how about the Tampa Bay Lightning? Back-to-back-to-back uh, to back to back Stanley Cup finals for them. Uh, Anthony Sorelli out until the end of November. He's still recovering from shoulder surgery. Uh, I was seeing some video of him shooting on the ice with Zach Bogosian, though. Doesn't look like this guy's even injured at all. So, uh, Nick, some big injuries heading into the season. And we'll bring some fantasy talk into things here as well on the show. Um, but with people doing their fantasy draft soon, a couple guys here, maybe like a Sorelli that you might want to draft and, and stash on your IR. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good thought. And uh, you touched on the Flyers. I mean, that gets worse for them with uh, Couturier and Ellis. That's a, that's a tough blow. A uh, couple more names, a couple uh, power forwards that are out for a while. I guess Pacioretty, mid-February, he, uh, he hurt his Achilles as well there. Uh, Tom Wilson, until December, he had a knee procedure done. Uh, Besser's going to be three to four weeks, so hopefully not too bad there, but he just had hand surgery. Landeskog, three to four weeks as well. Lower body, undisclosed. Those are all big bruisers and important pieces of their teams. Um, some playoff teams there as well that uh, we'll see some implications from. Other than that, I think, uh, Mac, you touched on the Bruins. I was going to add Grizzlick is out all of October, too. Um, that's a tough division, man. And to be missing how many D that they are and Marshawn uh, for the first couple months of the season, Mac, I know you're all over it, but that's uh, that's got to be scary for Bruins fans right now. Definitely. I, I think uh, I think they should be scared. They're going to get way behind that division, especially if there's uh, some big games. You know, uh, they say you can't uh, you can't win a division in the first uh, couple of weeks of the season, but you can certainly you know, lose out on a playoff spot that early. So who says uh, that? Oh, everybody. Everybody. Okay, a couple they. people say that. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Connor Connor Carrick might be playing in some games for the Bruins to start the year. Like he's at a preseason game, I think, under his belt. He laid a big open ice hit. Like he might be in the top six. Anton Strawman off a of PTO might be in the top six after a year in Arizona, like the Bruins and in that Atlantic division, which we'll get into a lot, I think going forward this season, because it could be pretty muddled up in the middle. Like if the Bruins get behind the eight ball quickly because of this rash of injuries they've had, including Marshan up front, like you might not be climbing out of that in, in this division. So that's why these Bruins injuries could be massive. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the flip side of that though, um, Never want to see injuries, but we kind of all know injuries are a point of the, the season. Like 
to win, you're going to face adversity. You're going to battle through injuries. You're going to have guys miss time. So the opportunity that comes with it, um, we've seen quite a few PTOs late here this summer. Um, Tyler, do you want to touch on a couple of those? There's been uh, some interesting names floating around on PTOs to say the least. Yeah, there has. And the latest one, I guess, which we just mentioned was Anton Strallman. I think I'd be shocked if the Bruins don't end up signing him with all the injuries we just laid out there. How about the real deal? James Neal, though, boys, he scored in his first preseason game for the Jackets. They got a lot of young talent up front. But could a James Neal maybe make his way onto the roster? He was down in Springfield in the AHL was kind of weird following James Neal in the American Hockey League last year. But him, Victor Rask on PTOs um, in San Jose. Uh, Jimmy VC is an interesting one as well. Like he's back with the Rangers on a PTO. They don't really have room in their bottom six. So I don't know if the Jimmy VC one's going to work out. And uh, Mac, what do you think of Jake Vertanen in Edmonton? Like it's an interesting PTO. It's obviously risky. A lot of hockey fans don't even like a team giving him a shot because of what happened and what he had to go through. But if Jake Vertanen problems off ice aside makes the Oilers, I know they have some cap issues that Holland's going to have to figure out. Like that could be a, a steal as a PTO. Yeah, uh, I mean, how, how did how was he the last time he played? Even uh, was he a top guy or is he? You know, um... he'll be a third liner probably. But on an Oilers team, like with the offense he could provide on the third line, it's not too bad, right? Yeah, I mean, his last full year he had thirty six points in sixty nine games. Uh, it's it's pretty good when you add him into a third line with guys like. I don't know, even if he played on the second line for a few minutes with guys like Nuge and Trace, I don't, right? That's, uh, that's some big opportunities for him if he ends up making it. Who knows with the publicity side, if, if that's something they even want to tackle down the road. I don't know, what are you, you're shaking your head, Nick. What do you think there? I think it's a bad look. I think it's a bad look when you already have to deal with the Evander Kane stuff. You've got a Hockey Canada rep in your, uh, in your ownership office up there. Uh, kind of bad timing, not a good dude. That's been confirmed. So uh, good for guys to get opportunities, like we said. But yeah, that's a PR nightmare and not a great guy. It, it just seems like the Oilers don't care, right, Nick? Like for what you were yeah. just saying, like Vander Kane's already there. We know what he had to deal with with the San Jose Sharks and the settlements there. It just seems like their franchise does not care. All the things that came out about their own owner, Daryl Katz, yeah. like, geez, like this organization could be a disaster but it's kind of getting swept under the rug because they have the two best players in the world, arguably in McDavid and dry settle, and they could win the Pacific and they could win the cup this year. There's a lot going on in Edmonton and uh, Ken Holland. He's trying, he's doing what he can. And quickly, one more I want to bring up guys was Alex Galchenyuk. How about him in Colorado? Like they signed Evan Rodriguez who went a long time without getting a deal in free agency. Maybe he slides into the top six. He's pretty versatile. Maybe can be in the bottom six as well. But Alex Galchenyuk, I feel, boys, like this is his last shot. Like this is Galchenyuk's last shot at actually being in the NHL maybe for the next five-plus years. If this doesn't work in Colorado, I think this is the end for Galchenyuk, which is crazy after coming in with Montreal and everything that he did. It would be crazy to me if Galchenyuk was out of the NHL after this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Colorado's a good spot for him, though. He, he was a great fit in Toronto. I, I don't know why he ever wanted to leave the Leafs after sort of that uh, half season he had there. Uh, but, I mean, if you're picking any teams to go to right now, it's kind of Colorado, Toronto, Tampa, right? Like, like 
well got unreal development track records and, and they give guys opportunity. They're looking for skill. Um, it works in that sense. Um, two more that I was going to highlight on the PTO side. Obviously, we uh, we all heard about Milano. That was a couple of weeks ago. But I mean, what a move for Calgary. If you can get a guy who realistically is going to be a middle six winger on a, on a decent NHL team um, on a PTO, like that's a great play for them. Um, they've got depth. Why couldn't he be the next Mangiapane in Calgary if you give him opportunities? Somebody like that. So I think that's a great move for Calgary. Um, the other one is uh, Zach Aston Reese was uh, rumored to the Oilers. Rumored to the Oilers went to the Leafs. I think that's another good depth piece there. Um, he's uh, he's just a guy who grinds and, and kind of builds his own opportunities. And on a PTO, that's kind of what you're looking for. Um, he said the other day he was he, he was asked. Uh, PTOs are kind of showcases for other teams too, right? And he's like, I'm, I'm a loyal guy. Like, I hope it doesn't have to be. So um, that's kind of the attitude that you look for on PTOs. We hope uh, we hope all these guys kind of get to make the most of their chances and uh, can lead into the fall here with uh, with some opportunities based off all the injuries that we talked about earlier. I think uh, going back to that Calgary and Milano, you know, he's had some defensive struggles in the past, but uh, Sutter's no one kind of to, to drive that, you know, kind of aggressive, fast, but also defense first-ish uh, type of game, right? So hopefully that uh, reinvigorates his career, or not reinvigorates, but kind of helps his his development along. Uh, they also brought in a guy, uh, Cody Eakin, who's, you know, a great fourth-line centerman on the, on will be a great fourth-line guy if they sign him too, so. Yeah, he's pretty much battling out with Kevin Rooney, former Ranger, who, who right now would probably slot in as their fourth-line center, boys. He just better make this team because he's got like the best mullet and it's red, his red hair. He's got a mullet. He's got a mustache. He already looks like a Calgary flame. So I'm hoping Daryl Sutter likes him enough and, and the Calgary flames give him a deal. Yeah. I honestly, sometimes I forget that Daryl Sutter's still around. And then I think about the flames and like, they're a good team, man. Like Kadri, but under Daryl Sutter, like that feels like a match made in heaven. Calgary. We're not going to spoil too much in next week's episode. We're going to do a Western Conference preview next week, but I mean, Calgary got better this year. I'm sorry, Johnny. I'm sorry to the rest of the team there, but uh, they got better. The line matching that Sutter has with Kadri's line, like let's just say, argument's sake, it's Kadri, Mangiapane, and Blake Coleman on the second line. I think that's maybe what it could be. Mm-hmm. Like if you're line matching them in the Battle of Alberta against McDavid, for McDavid, example, yeah. like that's a nightmare for Connor McDavid and his line. So Daryl Sutter's got a lot to play with now. Bringing Kadri was great. Um, I think the top line might take a while to maybe get some chemistry. Hopefully not. Jonathan Huberto's already scored in the preseason. Maybe Toffoli fits up there and scores 30-plus this year. But uh, the Flames, they're a, they're a really fun team led by a, a real, I guess, fun head coach. All right. We're, uh, like I said, going to try to have some fun on the podcast here, bring you guys some uh, different topics and suggestions. We've all seen the the Leafs goal song all over the Canadian media this week, but my thought after going to a couple baseball games the last couple weeks here is why are we not having guys with customized goal songs, just like it's a walk-up song. Like I, I picture I don't know, Austin Matthews coming out to something by Bieber when he scores, or I don't know, Evander Kane listens to uh, the song that's like, I hit up DraftKings, I bet 100 on myself, or like Eric Goodbranson just rocking out to Nickelback, because that's definitely all he listens to. We could have player customized goals. We could have team customized goal songs, like based off the situation. The Coyotes finally score. They're they're winning a game 3-2. They got the lead. They could play 50 Cent, hate it or love it, the underdogs on top. 
let's make it fun. I'm so sick of hauling oats. I'm so sick of hearing about what's our team goal song that we're going to hear 346 times this year. What do you guys think about customized player personal goal songs? I, I love that idea. You know, I, I, I think going, you know, going back to that, the baseball thing, it's, it's, you know, a super fun thing, even for fans that, you know, bring along the wife, bring along the husband who doesn't like hockey, whatever. Um, it's something that they can follow along to and, and kind of relate to aside from the game. So kind of, I think that would grow the game even more for people that don't like hockey and not necessarily don't like hockey, but maybe haven't got into it fully. If they come and say, Hey, I know that song. And then they start watching hockey and they start watching hockey more. They grow fans. It kind of grows that fan base. Right. Uh, so, you know, if you, if, if each uh, guy has their own song too, right. It, it, uh, it makes people connect to those guys more. You know, if you're a rap fan and, you know, Matthew scores and rap song comes on, obviously that uh, you're going to connect with him a little bit more on that. Or if a guy plays country, you like country music, stuff like that. Uh, I think it just kind of, familiarize yourself with players a little bit more yeah you kind of remember what songs go with players so like growing yeah. up going to Toronto Blue Jays games like I think Greg song Greg Zahn used to come out to Pearl Jam or maybe it was like Lyle Overbay but it's like you don't forget this kind of stuff BJ Ryan would come in Slipknot would play like this is great baseball has done it right for so long with a lot of these songs that you can relate to players for a while like we'll never forget Timmy Trumpet and Edwin yeah. Diaz like those two now we'll go hand in hand forever. They're probably going to become best friends. Who really knows? But this needs to happen ASAP in the NHL for all 32 teams. Buffalo did it last year, guys. I remember right before the season, they put out their list. And like you can like follow this playlist on Spotify. Um, I just had to check so I didn't forget. But Jeff Skinner's was Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. Great song. Whatever. Unreal. Who cares? It's a great song. But like... If you can start playing these and then fans are just like, oh man, like Jeff Skinner likes Miley Cyrus. Like, I don't know, make, either makes you like the guy more. Maybe it makes you hate the guy more if you hate pop or something, but this needs to happen ASAP. Kind of get rid of the one goal song, give players yeah. the customization. And I think this needs to happen as soon as possible. I, I think, I, I, think I think there is the, the, the you know, the traditional, not the traditional songs, but you know, going to a Blackhawks game and listening to Chelsea Dagger after, you know, in the playoffs and stuff like that, all the fans doing the the chop and everything. It's, it's amazing. Um, it's one of the coolest atmospheres in hockey, probably when they score a goal, especially, you know, when you're going on deep runs and stuff like that. Um, it, there, you could, you could argue that too, if you get a good enough song to, to kind of have that, but I still think uh, I agree with you guys. Having custom songs is way better. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like, obviously, that's a classic, and, and everybody knows when that comes on. Um, but like you said, Tyler, with Edwin Diaz and, and the trumpets, like, what if Judge had a home run song, and you've heard that 60 times this year instead of his walk-up song that you forget about, and it's muffled? Or, or Matthews had one last year for his 60 goals. Like, that song takes over the city when Matthews has 60 goals. Instead, it's the same song. Why does Austin Matthews and Jake Muzzin have the same goal song and goal reaction from the crowd? That shouldn't be the case. And to your point about remembering them, like, it's so true. Like, I was at a Jays game a couple of weeks ago and um, somebody was like, oh, like, do they never play country songs? And like me and my buddy were like, oh, yeah, uh, Richard used to listen to this and Tolez used to listen to this and Justin Smoke used to listen to this. And then we're like, 
shit, why do we know that? But like, it sticks with you. It makes it that experience. It's meant to be entertaining. Nobody cares to hear the same song over and over. You tune it out when you're in the stadium. I think that's such a simple solution uh, in the world of media today to be able to make that uh, experience a little bit more entertaining for everybody. And uh, I hope uh, somebody's listening to this podcast and makes a change. Gary Bettman, if you're listening, do it. Make it mandatory. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if you're out there, Gary. Uh, but uh, moving on from there, guys, one uh, one segment that we're going to do every week, um, like we touched on hockey, there's a lot of nostalgia, a lot of uh, funny stats, memories, moments, players, trades, etc. So every week, the three of us are going to come with a uh, one of the aforementioned items that uh, people forget, and we're just going to call it people forget. Um, so it's pretty straightforward. We've all uh, we've all came prepared with something that we think the others probably won't remember. Um, so I mean, Mac, maybe you want to kick us off here. What's uh, what's your people forget for week one? For sure. Uh, I mean, you know, you're, you're looking at all these young guys playing in the NHL, blah blah blah. Uh, but you kind of look at the, the next age, right? Looking at prospects. Connor Bedard got exceptional status when he was 14 years old to play when he was 15 years old. John Tavares, same thing. A couple other guys in the O. If you look farther back, Bobby Orr signed and played when he was 14 years old in the OHL. It's insanity. All right. This is weird, boys. We didn't tell each other our people forgets. Mine's about Bobby Orr as well. Mac, we're on the same wavelength (laughs) here. But mine relates just to what we started off with with the whole Nathan McKinnon contract becoming the highest paid player in the NHL. Um, I think a lot of people forget that Bobby Orr was the NHL's first million dollar man. They called him. Uh, he signed a contract on August 26, 1971. Uh, he was getting paid 200,000 a year. So a little different than 12.6 million like McKinnon's getting, um, but it was for the next five years. So it was a total of $1 million. He obviously helped the Bruins win the cup in the next year. And obviously we know injuries limited him in future seasons with the Boston Bruins, but uh, love the Bobby Orr love, that is for sure. Um, but 200K a year for a defenseman back in the early 70s was a lot of money, and now we're, uh, we're almost at 13, 14 million per season. All right, well, this, uh, this People Forget segment is about to go full circle because my guy, uh, Bobby Orr, is obviously one of the best, if not the best, offensive defenseman to ever play. My guy, very much the opposite. Also, the 200 grand you're talking about, very much the opposite. Uh, My people forget is that uh, Mark Edward Vlasic is going to be making $7 million a year until he turns 39. That is right. He has four more seasons at $7 million a year on your San Jose Sharks. I mean, the guy's a good player. He has been for quite a while. He eats pucks for a living. He hits guys, but that's... uh, those are tough miles, man. And, and when they signed that contract, they had to have known how this was going to end. I can't fathom somebody today signing a defensive defenseman until they're 39, especially on a team that just hasn't been good in so many years. This dude's out here making almost 40 grand a day until he's 39 years old. And all he does is stand in front of the net and block shots. What's worse that remember the Sabres Airhoff contract? What's worse? I feel like both are on the same level, but 
when you guys see uh, a yeah. plastic pickles in the grocery store, do you think of him right away? Yeah, like, immediately. It's yeah. so weird. Like we always will. Like we always will forever. Isn't there a uh, Alex Vlasic? Maybe we'll think yeah. when Alex Vlasic comes up and becomes more of an NHLer on the Blackhawks. Maybe we'll think of Alex. Yeah. Well, I hope for his sake that he gets overpaid that drastically as well. Uh, but hey, that's people forget three random facts, stats, contracts, whatever we want. We'll do this every week. Uh, but yeah, that, uh, that concludes the first ever episode here. Mac, Tyler, any other thoughts, guys? Oh, just looking ahead to next week. You know, we'll have the, again, the, the kind of the Western Conference stuff with, along, with some fancy stuff, as Tyler said, and I'll be uh, giving out some of my favorite season-long bets as well. Yeah, I'll have a fantasy draft under my books uh, by the time we record next time, boys. So I'll be excited. I'll have a team under my belt. And is it October 7th yet? I don't have a watch on. I should just look at the computer. But it's not October 7th yet. When the NHL season does get underway over in Prague, we are all excited. And then the next week after that, we got full tilt NHL action, boys. We are pumped for this season to start. Absolutely. Absolutely agreed. Um, like Max said, we're going to do the Western Conference preview next week. We'll do the Eastern Conference following that because the Western teams are playing overseas to kick off the season. Uh, but uh, beyond that, we'll have some pretty cool guests starting in uh, in week four, five, six here. Um, we've got some cool things lined up. So thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on social if you're not already. That's probably where you're coming from. But uh, on behalf of Mac and Tyler, this is uh, the the end of the first episode.